anniversary, happy anniversary, happy anniversary, happy anniversary. All right, knock it off. Welcome to the first inaugural premiere episode of the Ain't Easy Being Great podcast. My name is Keith Farrell. Michael LaGarris, everybody. What up, Jet fan? Number one, number one, number one Jet fan in the state of Texas. Quick apology for however I might have sounded on last last week's podcast. But I'm not going to take up a lot of time with the intros. Happy anniversary, AEBG podcast. Keep it trucking, J-E-T-S. Jets, 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 baby. Broadcasting to you live from beautiful, amazing amazing picturesque Crystal Lake Studios in Putnam Valley, New York. Special guest today, Bob Letterer, just put out a book. Bob, welcome to the show. Hey, Keith, and hey, Michael. Special guest at Bronx, born and raised, former Wisconsin Badger, Yusef Burgess. What's up, AEBG? Good to be on the show. Thanks a bunch, guys. AEBG NFL analyst, Bennett Richardson. Yo, what's up, Jeff fan? Andrew McKeel, a.k.a. The Doctor. Hey, what's going on? Hey, this is Sean Amos, and uh, they say it ain't easy being green. 2004, 10 and 6. 2005, we're 4 and 12. 2006, Jets 10 and 6. 2007, 4 and 12. That's what it's like being a Jet fan. We were fine. What? What? Sorry, everyone must be screaming in here. I can't hear you. What you say? The Giants are on their backs. The Giants are on their backs. The seedlings have no choice. Look, they have no choice about their last name, and they have no choice on the football team that they follow. And all three of them are going to be Jet fans. This conversation is over. And my wife knows it. Our boy, Sam Darnold, he's the golden child. Play the music now, please. You and the chosen one. Sam Darnold's coming out party. What Michael Garris did, everybody, is he just dropped the proverbial microphone in Matt Stafford's lap and walked out of the building. Ladies and gentlemen, Le'Veon Bell! Le'Veon Bell is headed to the New York Jets. That just happened. Yes! Yes! Oh, yes! Permission to buzz the tower. Happy anniversary, AEBG. Keep flying high. Member of Raider Nation here, wishing the AEBG a happy anniversary. What? Senior waivers here, wishing you very happy one year anniversary to the Ain't Easy Being Green podcast. Great job, guys. All other podcasts, you're broke compared to the Ain't Easy Being Green podcast. Great year. Congratulations, Mike, Keith, Wookie, the whole team. Love you guys. AEBG is Dwayne, Cream franchise owner. Congratulations, you boys, for a one-year anniversary. Keep doing your thing. It has been a pleasure announcing for you the past 12 months. Congratulations, Ain't Easy Being Green Podcast. Keep up the good work. everybody and welcome to a very special one year anniversary edition of the Ain't Easy Being Green podcast. As always, broadcasting you live from beautiful, amazing, picturesque Crystal Lake Studios in Putnam Valley, New York. My name is Keith Farrell. We're brought to you on the Elite Sports Radio Network. I am joined, as always, by my colleague and co-host, none other than the number one Jet fan in the state of Texas, Michael Lagaris, everybody! I'm a very, very happy fan right now. Very happy, not just because it's our one-year anniversary, but the Jets just gave us the greatest gift we could have ever had, huh, Keith? Yeah, they did give us a nice little anniversary gift. And before we get to the gift, I-, I would be remiss, guys, if I did not introduce the Wookiee, the man behind the glass, 
He's been helping us out since the end of the year. Nicholas Kronk, everyone. <laughs> Ladies and gents, one year in the books. This is going to be fantastic. Looking forward to his second year. And yes, the Jets got a very happy... Uh, one-year anniversary AEBG uh, present today. Looking forward to talking about that as well. I've been waiting a whole year for Wookiee to have that level of enthusiasm off an introduction, and it just happened. In my mind, it, it just sounds, happened. In my mind, it sounds like I'm that happy every time I do No, it. no, usually a few words. You know, you act like you want to take a nap. Just now, you hit it out of the park. And Michael. Jets went out and made a big move. Joe Douglas getting Ryan Khalil to come out of retirement to play for the Jets. A 12-year NFL veteran with five Pro Bowls and two All-Pro selections under his belt. He's experienced. He's a good locker room guy. He fills a position of need. Ryan Khalil, the new New York Jets center. This is a huge deal. In the offseason, Mike, we talked about it at nauseum. We talked about it last season during the year. The lack of any talent on the offensive line. The lack of depth at all. If we do have an injury on the offensive line, we're done for. This helps the depth out. We bring a guy out of retirement, which is the most interesting part. Um, I'd love to know the details how this went down. Five-time Pro Bowler. Two-time All-Pro. I watched the show, Mike. Uh, it's on Amazon Prime. It's called All or Nothing by NFL Films. They'll follow a team for the whole year. So they followed Mike. They followed the Carolina Panthers last year. He obviously was the center of the Panthers. And they would show him between games at halftime. And he has the whole entire offensive line together showing them the coverages, showing them what they did right, what they did wrong. Really, like a coach off the field. And what I thought to myself was, this guy's sharp as attack. He's retiring because that was one of the that was one of the narratives of the show during last season. That depth of knowledge, Mike, to be dropped into Sam's lap and help him out. You could not ask for a better move by the mountain. Thank you very much for this anniversary gift, Mike. How do you feel about it? You know how many games Ryan Khalil has played in his career? 148 games. And out of those 148 games, do you know how many holding penalties he has? Five. He has 24 penalties in total. You know, remember, I would talk about how we've been blessed with centers, and the last couple of years has just been so terrible. And, you know, this was one of the biggest faults that, um, like, on the Mike McCagnan era, was the fact that he really didn't address the offensive line as we needed. And what's so insane is that we ended up losing paradise to the Carolina Panthers, who signed him for a one or two year deal? I forget the type, the length of it, but they signed Paradise to replace Ryan Khalil and and Joe Douglas. And I don't, you know, you ask yourself, why in the world would a guy who has spent his entire career with the Carolina Panthers, a guy who's made the Pro Bowl, who's made a fabulous career as a as a starting center, want to come out of retirement to play for the Jets? Kind of crushes that narrative about players not wanting to play for Adam Gates, you know? Yeah, and it's like, why do you want to play with the Jets? And then we find out the fact that he's a big Sam Darnold fan. Guy went to USC. He's a USC alumni, and that had a lot to do with the fact that he came back out. And this is just such a tremendous value to Sam Darnold from a leadership standpoint in the locker room, communication standpoint, and being able to work with Kelechi Osemele and Beecham and Winners and Shell and really formulating a line that, I mean, with a guy like Ryan Khalil, this line has gone from shabby at best to solid. I'm not going to say it's great, but I'll say it's solid. Now they go ahead and grab Trent Williams in a trade 
and now you got a wall, brother. Ooh, I mean, that, that hypothetical right there, it means that from the center to the left tackle, that whole left side there is a legit wall. Pretty much solid. And you have a real, you have a real strength yeah. there. Great move by Joe Douglas. He said they're going to explore all different possibilities to try to add players to this team. And what does that mean when a guy says that? When you get this far into the season, you basically in your mind go, well, that basically just means waivers. Yeah. He talks some guy out of retirement to come back. Play for Sam, fill a huge hole on our team. I mean, we can't talk enough about how when you get Osemele like they have now, and you add this guy compared to last year's line, not really comparable. Obviously, the level of talent stepped it up a little. Shell played decent enough last year, so I think this year the offensive line, now that we have Bell, this is a move they had to do, try to improve any way you could. If something happens with Williams, Mike, that's that's best case scenario. That would just be absolutely tremendous. And, you know, I'm really I'm really proud of the Jets. And also, like I said, if we didn't get into it, also, one year in, 44 shows in before today, Mike. Wow. Started off one year ago now with the little bud of our show sprouted up into the world of podcasts. From then till now, and a ton of listeners, people have supported us along the way. We want to be appreciated so much. Yes, why has supported us? I want to thank everyone that's been on the show, everyone that's helped us, like the Wookie, Doctor, Bennett, Carlos, CJ, Youssef, Bob, a letter who came on to the interview with us. You know, everybody, Mike, Mike Vivolo helped us get on to SNY, yeah, who was with us last week. We had a little technical difficulty. We'll get back to him uh, next week and maybe the week after that. But Mike, one year in the books, Crystal Lake Studios has been pumping out shows. You've been there in Texas doing your thing. How do you feel about it? Started off, we had the idea, and then we were blessed to, you know, the Elite Sports Radio Network is now, from what Vivolo, Mike Vivolo educated us, is the number two largest sports network in New York behind SNY, which is spectacular, and it's been doing well because people like Mike Vivolo and and shows like ours along with the other podcasts on that network really being able to push through a lot of great content and bring entertainment to our listeners so we really appreciated the you know the the opportunity to work there but I didn't really know what to think here but I'll tell you it's been an absolute pleasure to work with you to work with Wookie and everybody else on the team that we love the most and what an exciting time to be a Jet fan huh yeah it does seem like we started the pod right at the right time it seems like ever yeah. since the Ain't Easy Being Green podcast has dropped looks like we're going in the right direction and I can't help but be excited about it Michael and uh, our podcast has been doing great I want to thank everyone I want to thank everyone for helping Absolutely. us out throughout the year training camp's been going on obviously we know some guys stocks rising stocks dropping we'll get more into the, ex- the details and the minutiae of the, of the roster maybe next week but do you have anyone in camp maybe that's flash anyone you want to talk about maybe any updates for everybody it is now time for hello what's up everybody mikes you're a professional i'm a professional news devastation to the locker room it's the home of the jets well i'm a little bit worried about our kicker cat nazaro has been really having a very bad camp and it seems like gase is not as concerned as i think he should be I really believe they need to sign Ross Martin. I guess um, Kat Nazaro last practice missed another field goal and the fans were screaming about him missing a field goal and they t- and uh, Ross Martin put on Twitter that he's ready to go, made some videos and stuff. So I really would like for them to get him or anybody else in there to start competing with him. Um, it's pretty dire from what I'm hearing. He's missing 20, 30, 40 uh, yard field goals. What is goals, going so. on with this guy? I, I, I do not know, but um, besides him, I was a little bit worried about Ja'Kai Polite because he was running with the threes, but we got an update today that he was in with the twos and that he's been progressing really well. Quinnen Williams has been running with the twos since he started camp, and then today he was in with the ones and really blew up some of those guards there on the line, showing his ability to get through the A-gaps. Yeah, I heard he was just uh, tossing people around. That's what I heard. Yeah. Like, the if biggest you, you took Wookiee and you put him in a bouncy castle, 
a bunch of eight-year-olds. That's basically what it was like today for Quentin Williams. Everyone, so be excited about it. And uh, you know, the superstars really of camp have been a couple. Oh, there's a couple of people I really want to call out. Jamison Crowder has been spectacular. He hurt his foot. We were a little bit worried about it. He came back today. Nothing wrong. Just doing his thing, running in the slants. Him and Sam Darnold have a great rapport. So he's been doing really, really good. Uh, Blake Cashman. What a tremendous... This guy's been... So there's only been two rookies that have been running with the one... Who've gotten time with the ones. One is Quentin Williams, and the other is Blake Cashman. Blake Cashman has been replacing Avery Williams over there with the Mike Linebacker, and he has been just absolutely tremendous so far, This this uh, th- these camps. So he's doing really, really well. And then the two guys that we... You know, Robbie's been doing good, Quincy, but really Sam Darnold and Le'Veon Bell have been spectacular. Le'Veon Bell and his conditioning. When he first got to camp, he ran two conditioning drills just to show everybody that he was in shape and ready to go. Great attitude. He's been hitting it hard. And Sam Darnold, these last two days in specifically, have been the two best days that he's ever had at camp. Um, Yesterday, he had only incompleted three passes, had two touchdowns. Um, Turn... Traymond Johnson, Tremaine Johnson, and a couple of the other corners were saying that his his understanding of the offense is scary. He's able to just read the defenses, make make audible changes on the line, and still able to execute. So those are good things to hear about Sam Darnold. And uh, so far, I'm I'm getting I'm getting ex- you know I don't want to get too excited because this is practice. It's early. It just it, in August right now. We'll go ahead and see the the Jets on Thursday. But from everything we're hearing, uh, we're having a pretty good camp outside the kicker. Mike, there's a guy you mentioned there in your camp update. His name is Blake Cashman. Jets took him in the fifth round this year. When the Jets selected him, each of us was excited about the pick. Predicted great things for him in the future in the NFL. He's somebody that was a walk-on there in Minnesota. Guys, hard-nosed player, motor, smart guy, overachiever, someone you want to have on your team. Now, when we got when he drafted him, guys, you want to know... Where you should be listening to for Jet Information, the deep-hitting, hard-hitting Jet Information, guys. It's right here. It's right here on the ABG podcast. Let me play something for you that we said right after we drafted Blake Cashman. But this next pick, Mike, Blake Cashman, is a pick I really, really dig by the Jets. Fifth round, 19th pick overall. This is somebody, he walked on in Minnesota. He was a walk-on his first two seasons, gets a scholarship his junior year, doesn't even start until his senior year. So this is someone, by the time he started his senior year, real chip on his shoulder, Mike. I know that he's a fifth round pick and he's going to start off on special teams. I think he's going to be a starter one day. That's how good he is, his football IQ. Guys like this dude, oh, walk-ons, chip on their shoulder, um, super athletic, good tackling. So I, I mean, I love this pick. But this is other podcasts, and they're saying, why did we draft a linebacker? We already have all this depth. You know, this, we need to draft for holes. We have holes in the draft. Hey, buddies, guys, listen. You do not draft to fill immediate holes. And do you know what I see when I see this pick? This is Darren Lee's replacement. Knowledge. Wow. Knowledge got dropped! Wow. On the AEBG podcast after the draft, guys. Just like Mike said, that was before Darren Lee got cut. Darren Lee's out. This guy's running with the ones. Somebody that I thought, because it was football IQ, 4.5, who had a pretty decent uh, 40 time out. 4.5, 40 time. Really, really fast guy. Tackling machine in college. Mike. Blake Cashman's flashing. And AEBG podcast was on top of it. Look, we saw the talent. We saw what he did in college, the type of person he is, the ability to push through and traverse uh, adversity and actually get things done at the, le- at the collegiate level, and his speed, his metrics, that everything that he did 
We knew that he was going to bring value. We just didn't know that it was going to be this soon, that he was going to be making an impact really on that defense. And I guess Greg Williams really loves him out there because of his, his speed and his ability to get out in flats. So it's really good to see him. And I'll just say that our cornerback depth is weak. Poole has been a star at camp at the nickel corner. But uh, Tremaine Johnson and Daryl Roberts have been having their work cut out for them. That's a little bit of concerns also just at camp. And another uh, surprising ad has been Ty Montgomery. Ty Montgomery has been in several different type of packages. They've been putting him at wide. They've been putting him at running back. Like we talked about before during our fantasy show, you know, with Le'Veon Bell, you could potentially go from a five wide to a I formation and not take anyone off on the field with the type of personnel that they have. A guy like Ty Montgomery is very versatile. And we're hearing that he's doing really, really well at camp. So that was a good surprise as well. One one jabroni note, uh, Davis Webb. We're going to file this away in the jabroni files. Has been jabroni. Jabroni! Like, maybe Daniel Jones level jabroni. Oh, and, uh, whoa, whoa. We know Daniel Jones is Hidden. Hidden the Wookiee below jabroni. the belts. I like it. We don't know what Daniel Jones is yet, Mike jabroni. I like it. I like it. Firing cells. We, we, we all knew what Daniel Jones was the day he got drafted, right? We all know. Oh, we don't have to present. <laughs> he does his, his dude. He does have a deer and headlights look, which, which, is not, which is not indicative of your skill level because Eli had that too. Eli won two Super Bowls, so I'm not going to hate right. on. I'm not saying you're. Uh, no, I'm not saying he's the, uh, Eli S. Hey, the aesthetic what? does not matter when it comes to playing quarterback. I have to imagine he, he has to be slightly better than Davis Webb at this point. Well, we'll see. I would hope. We'll see. I would hope. If, David, if Davis Webb is a scout team quarterback, you better hope that uh, you better hope this guy's better. <laughs> Guys, no let's worries. real quick, let's get into some of the Jets offseason. We'll touch on some of the bullet points for you and some of the expectations for 2019. The situation kind uh, of got heavy on me. Okay, everybody, welcome back to the Ain't Easy Being Green podcast. Michael Garris holding it down in Texas. Wookie behind the glass here, live in Crystal Lake Studios. Yep. One year anniversary episode. Rock we haven't rock. had a chance, Mike, to really talk about the Jets in a while. We had some fantasy football shows we got in. It's been slow going. So we've kind of been in the dead season here. We're gearing back up as we speak. Falcons, Broncos on the television. Football's back! Football is back. This game, this game. No, no, it is what it is. But football's back, back. and it feels good. It feels tremendous. Uh, One of the reasons it feels good is because of some of the moves the Jets made in the offseason, Mike. Now, we had some shows. We've gone through it. We're going to touch on some of the bullet points here just so we can set up the stage to talk about our expectations for the rest of the year. That's right. Coming out of last year, 2018, you know, there, the Jets were deficient in many different areas. Sam Darnold's rookie season, and he struggled a little bit in some areas. He was good in some other areas. And to provide some context for you on some highlights of Sam Darnold's rookie year, his 268.7 passing yards per game at home sits as the most ever by a rookie with a minimum of six home starts while his two passing touchdowns per game at home sits only number two behind Russell Wilson. So, at home, Sam did pretty well. Now, we know he had struggled on the road. He was missing some people. Really, the Jets were what? Where where were their biggest deficiencies, right? They were deficient at coach. Well, they (laughs) they they went and addressed that, and they hired Adam Gase. Controversial decision. They were deficient at general manager. According to many, I was okay with the direction, but I definitely understand the lack of depth and talent within the draft. And they went 
and got Joe Douglas, the best candidate out there for any team that needed a general manager. They had issues at, you know, depth at defensive tackle. They went and drafted Quillian Williams, the number one player in this draft. Linebacker uh, issues with the fact that Darren Lee really not progressing. What did they do? They signed C.J. Mosley in the slot. They wanted to add some depth over a receiver. They went and got Jamison Crowder. At running back, they went and grabbed Le'Veon Bell and Ty Montgomery. At left guard, to upgrade the center at the uh, the offensive line, they went and grabbed Coletio Semele, who was a Pro Bowl guard. At cornerback, they instead... Thank you for getting rid of... Buster Screen! Thank you for getting rid of Buster Screen and replace him with Brian Poole, who's been lighting it up at camp. On the edge, they went and got... Ja'Kai Polite in the third round and address that. We'll see how he progresses there. Was considered a first round prospect until he fell off on the combine and now the grift that keeps on giving the New York Jets just gave us a center in Matt Khalil uh, to address one of the weakest positions we've had. So if you look at all of the different deficiencies that we had, really the only one left that's glaring is depth at corner. We do have some de- safety depth issues because of Marcus May's health, but if he's healthy, I'm not really worried about the depth there. But corner is really the last outstanding spot. So I would say within an offseason, the Jets have really filled a lot of different holes there. I agree completely. And you know, the, the key to the team right now, now that we got Khalil on the team, another another addition of the offensive line. Not that the offensive line is done by any stretch, Mike, or that the offensive line is dominant because it's not. But we're just talking about in comparison to our line last year, we might actually be like average now. You, you've done much you know, better. We, we might be, we might be yeah. middle of the pack in the NFL yeah. now as opposed to being one of the worst in the NFL, which to some teams you, you might look at as not a jump. That's a big jump for the Jets yeah. in one offseason, especially with adding Khalil. So all the other additions you named, Mike, obviously Bell goes without saying. We broke we broke that down when we got Bell. When it comes to the Jets and when it comes to the defense, you're talking about corner, Mike. This is one thing I want to get into too real quick. I do think the key to the defense, and I think the team's going to have a hard time running the ball in the Jets. If you think of, well, the, the defensive line is one of the best in the league. Right. Depth-wise, you know. Absolutely. And linebacker-wise, if Cashman is the real deal, and you have Williamson, and you have Mosley, and you have you have Williams up front, and you yep. have Quentin Williams up front, and you have Anderson, and we got McClendon back, going to be tough to run on the Jets. Yep. But if, if you can't stop other teams' number one receiver, if Tremaine Johnson plays to the level he played, Mike, say, the first... I know he got hurt, but say the beginning of last year when he he wasn't just playing bad, Mike. He also was getting mental mistakes, yeah. and th- th- these were penalties that he was getting penalties on on plays that ball went to a different corner, it went to a different part of the field, and that guy shut down the play. The other side of the field, he's getting a holding. Yeah. You know, and, and you're like, damn, like when, when you see a holding when when the ball's going at someone, you don't want to see a holding at, at any point of the play, right? Yeah. But when the ball's not even going at you. And a guy breaks up a play, and it's third and fifteen, and the, and the drive continues. Then a team scores. That guy can't be number one. Can't, that's what I'm talking he about. He could be your number two. You're absolutely exactly. right. You mentioned that. Yep. He can't be your number one if he's going to make mental mistakes like that. He's already got a hard enough time knowing he's lining up against the number one yeah. for the other team every week. Ah, and I, and I agree. And I think and I think path I think path forward. What I would like to see before the start of the season a sign and trade for a starting corner. Personally, I would also like to trade for Trent Williams and move Beecham to right tackle, and then sign Ross Martin. 
Those are the three moves I would love to see the Jets make. Now, if they could make just one, I would be excited. Yeah, when you got into, Mike, you broke down some of Sam's stats there for a second. <laughs> and I got some I got some numbers for you here, too. Now, we know Sam had last year. Just and we, won't go, we won't go through it too deep, but when you look at Sam's year, it really is a tale of the beginning portion of the year before he went down with an injury was up and down. It was it was like most right. most rookies first year, you know. Three interceptions versus Minnesota on October 21st, and he had four interceptions versus Miami on November 4th. That was in a really short time span. Right after that, he got hurt. So Sam had seven of his 15 picks just in two games last year. So you remove those, that's still eight interceptions over the other 11 games. Not amazing, but much better than it looks with the final right. stats with interceptions. He had two, right. two games that really kind of lowered his QB rating big time. And, you know, he had, Mike, at the beginning of the year, some big games. That first game, obviously, he threw a pick six to start it off. Not the best way to start your what career. Do you do after that, but after that, the Lions game tore it up. The Colts game, Absolutely. he played great. But when he went down with that injury, Mike, games before he went down with the injury... His completion percentage was 40%, 48%, and 53%. Okay, and then the fourth game before that was 47%. When he came back, 66, 63, 68, and 60. So it's something, and that, and that was versus, that was versus some actual pretty good defense. That's versus the Texans, the Bills, the Packers. Defense isn't amazing, but they could have maybe got a playoff spot at that point still, so they were playing hard. And the Patriots, and his QB rating those last four games of the year was 96.5, six touchdowns, one interception those last four games. And when he came back from that injury, Mike, whatever he saw, whatever happened when he had that little, little span of time off there, those three games, it slowed down for him. And when Sam came back, just like you want to see, he finished his rookie season off on a high note. Highest QB rating in the NFL over the last four weeks of the season. Leading into this uh, this training camp where he's killing it and it's all, all all signs are pointing to a progression for him. I'm really excited for this year. Absolutely. And if you look at Tony Romo, Tony Romo is not some, you know, end-all, be-all psychic. But he has been just a great analyst from the, what we have seen of him. And he, Sam Darnold was his favorite quarterback project coming out of the 2018 rookie crop. And he said... You know, they got a video of him. He said, by the end of the year, you'll start seeing Sam make a big jump, but you won't see his biggest jump really until year two. That, so he's expecting that. And with the way Gase, this offense is predicated, with the weapons that they've added, um, my expectations for Sam, you know, I want to try to stay level, but everything I'm hearing and now with fortifying the offensive line, you know, I'm, 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 my expectations is that he'll be middle of the uh, I don't know man I I I just have a feeling that uh Sam is going to do something special for us this year. I'm not saying that you know we're going to any type of crazy Super Bowl or anything like that, but Sam could do some some really special things. I'm not going to go say top 10, but I think he'll be one of the better top 15 potentially Mike if you had to year. say let me ask you a question if you had to say and this isn't a fantasy football show about Sam but if I asked you to, to put some numbers out if you had to put some projections out maybe we'll do maybe we'll do Le'Veon Bell too what do you think for this year now we know Mike so you missed three games last year he had about almost 2,900 yards passing this year full 16 games probably gonna get more passing attempts what do you see Sam's numbers hopefully looking like at the end of the season well, if he had 16 games last year, he would have ended up over 3,500 yards yes. or yes. right around there. So I would say that he's going to be knocking on the door 4,000. He'll probably be between 25 and 30 touchdowns, I'm guessing. Uh, I'll say that he'll his his interceptions are going to be higher just because that's the type. He's a he, he's he's a quarterback that takes chances he's not somebody who is shy or conservative he throws the ball down the field get the ball down so maybe you know 15 to 18 interceptions around there but 
Um, oh, uh, you know, I think he'll have a 60% completion percentage around there. But I think that his um, the yards on the run, you know, last year he did really good with getting first downs on the run. I think he's going to use his legs more. The point you just made, I love that. Yeah. You know why I love it, Mike? Last year, Sam had about 140 yards rushing. But like you said, some of the rushes he had would be for three yards for a first down. But what, Mike, the la- at the end of the season, when he came back after the injury, he used his legs a lot more, which is one of the reasons I think his QB rating was much higher. He wasn't, instead of holding onto the ball and trying to force something, he had, he had a 30 yard run. Remember the last game of the season yep. versus the Pats, Mike? He had 35 yards versus Houston. He ran it six times. He had three first downs that game. So that's 65 yards of his 140, just those last couple games, when he decided to kind of run the ball a little bit more, it actually ended up working out in other ways for him. You yep. know, and a little smarter, no turnovers, run three or four yards, got out of bounds. But if you have a little seam, he's not. He's not going to break. He's not going to run around like Deshaun Watson or Cam or any of these guys. But like Aaron Rodgers he's type of speed. Of Aaron Rodgers is sneaky yes. enough that he could buck. He could get you a 15-20 and run out of bounds real quick. Yep. Um, and that's what I, that's what Sam was doing at the end of last year. That's a really good point, Mike. My projections for Sam, Mike, just to, just before I get to Bell, just like you, I think it was on point what you said because if he played 16 last year, he would have been around 3,500, right? So I think this year he'll get some more attempts. 4,000 yards, I don't think is out of the question. Around 30 touchdowns, hopefully, maybe, or maybe mid-20s to 30s. Uh, everything you said, Mike, I think was on point. When it comes to Lev, when Lev was with the Steelers, this is a guy that is last year with the Steelers, he had 321 carries. That is, that's like, like I said, that's Earl Campbell, early 80s level carries, right? And that same year, guys, he had 89 catches. 104 targets. That's that's some. You can see why he held out. That's some ridiculous usage, right? Yep. I don't see the Jets giving Lev 321 carries. That's not. Like, if you get if you get around 15 a game, you would hope they wouldn't have to. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So 15 a game. That's around 240, 250 carries. I think that's more realistic for him. I could see him rushing for 12 or 1300 yards if he stays healthy all year. 10 touchdowns, Mike, maybe. But I think he's going to catch. I think he's going to have about six, 700 yards receiving. That's where he's going to come up big. If you can get him yep. 40, 50 yards receiving a game. I mean, that's huge, and that's where he's going to give his added value to the Jets and that added boost to the receivers on the Jets because he's always going to have to be someone they keep an eye on. He's not somebody that's just a, like a Chris Ivory or a lot of different running backs we've had over these years, Mike. We've had kind of these stopgap running backs like Corral last year and a bunch of different guys. Besides Powell, uh, Powell was versatile, Mike, but he wasn't wasn't a guy we started. But we had a lot of guys that could run the ball good, didn't necessarily catch the ball the best. Le'Veon does everything good. There's nothing he doesn't do well. So when it, when it comes to Gase's offense, I think they're going to open it up. I think he's going to get the ball a ton, and I do think he's going to be tremendous this year. Obviously, he's going to get over 1,000 yards, but I think he should finish maybe around 2,000 yards total yards from scrimmage. Hopefully. Yeah, I think uh, total yards is going to be about 18, 1,600 around there, but I actually have him in double-digit touchdowns, and I think he's going to do have more touchdowns with the Jets than he did with the Steelers, and I'll tell you why. When he was on the Steelers, there were a lot of other weapons that – Ben Roethlisberger and that offense was able to go ahead and hit in the red zone. On this offense, he really is one of the main weapons that they're going to use when in the red zone, especially in the receiving game. So I think that he's actually going to foster. He may get a little less in yards uh, and usage than he did it in the Steelers, but I think his touchdown percent, uh, the touchdowns he's going to get, it's going to go up. So I see him with double-digit touchdowns. I see him with potentially, you know, around... You know, 16, 17, 1800 all purpose, maybe 12, 13 rushing. And I think that he's going to be a big part of this offense. And I think Adam Gase is going to use him because he is such a versatile weapon and because he's in such great shape. And from everything I've been hearing and seeing from the Jet Camp, 
everybody's really happy. Like, everyone is just laughing. Everyone is just excited. Gase looks like he has a great relationship or a great business relationship with Le'Veon. And I don't know if you've seen it, Keith, but him and Jamal Adams going back and forth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Talking trash to each other. He's talking trash to Gase on the defense. He's like, oh, I see you. I see you. (laughs) I'll I'll, I'll suggest, I'll give you guys a plug right here. Anybody who's a Jet fan, go watch the One Jets Drive show the Jets have on their YouTube channel. Absolutely tremendous. Basically, like our own Hard Knock show. Little half-hour Hard Knock shows about the Jets. And you can see some of the chemistry there in the field. Adam Gaze, kind of a different side of Gaze that you didn't really get to see when he was, when he was having the Crazy Eyes press conference. When he has the hat on, when he has the beard going, different guy, like different animal, looks yeah. like a regular person, normal yeah. human being. Uh, you know, we were not excited that they hired Gase Mike and the jury's still out on him, but when you watch that show right there, it does give you a better feel for him, better feel for his uh, his connection with the players, which seems like he has a better vibe there. Maybe they did it with the Dolphins, because what you heard with the Dolphins is maybe that he was a little uh, micromanaged things a little too much, so it does seem like, from watching that show at least, Mike, the vibe's really good from reports from camp. The vibe's really good, which is why when it comes to 2019, Michael, and you look at the schedule the Jets have and you go through it, what do you think? I mean, we haven't really got into this yet, and, you know, we're going to have to see how preseason shakes out, so we'll, we'll review this point again when the preseason ends. But what are you looking at with our squadron, Mike? Uh, you know, after week 17, do you think the Jets are going to have a chance to knock on the door and playing some meaningful games end of the year and make the playoffs? Do you want me to give you the politically correct answer, or do you want me to tell you what I truly feel inside? Mike, what the AEBG audience wants is the realness. Yeah. Don't I feel like we're taking the division! Ho 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 just dropped the mic and walk away. That's, That's it. it. That's it. He's done. Show's, Show's over. over, guys. We can't do anything else after that. I think we're taking the division. That's what I think. I have a feeling. You know what? Everybody is, the, the, the media, everyone is always, oh, the Patriots, the Patriots, the Patriots, obviously, with all the cheating and the the, 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 the wins and the, the Super Bowls and everything like that, but there's going to come a time when they're not going to win anymore, and I look at this team, and I look at the talent that we're putting together, and I look at the offense and the execution and the, and the, and the, just the, the passion that, that the fans that, you know, with all with the new uniforms, I just feel the vibes, and I'm just like, yo... They're going to take the division this year. It's, 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 they're going to make the leap now. This is the time. Like, I just feel it. And I feel like we're taking the division, kid. Like, I don't know inside. Like, I don't want to say that because it's like, oh, you're a homer. You're biased. But I'm like, nah, son. Like, honestly, like, the, the Patriots' time, is, it's done, man. It's 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 time for them. I mean, yeah, they won the Super Bowl. I get it. I get I it. I get I it. You know what? It's I'm, not, I'm it's not, not uh, you know. I'm on board. This is one of those deals where I'm on board with you, but at the same time, I'm holding on. I don't know how this is going to work out this ride, but I'm on board with your thoughts. Obviously, put the positive energy out into the universe. Maybe that will happen this year, and their dynasty will start to crumble. Maybe Tom Brady turns back into a regular human being who doesn't get better as he gets into his 40s while he's playing quarterback, which makes no sense. Uh, We were on the the Jet Factor podcast this weekend. Carlos had a lot to say about that, a lot of questions about Tom Brady. We won't get into that on our podcast. But listen to the Jet Factor podcast. Those guys kill it every week. Carlos had some very good points about uh, Tom Brady and why he's doing so good at this advanced age. Besides the point, Mike, 
I do think this year is going to be a good year. I don't know if we're going to win the division or not, but I do think when you look at the the schedule we have in front of us with the pieces we put together here, it does seem like we're going to have a competent offense. We have some weapons on offense. We have a quarterback that looks like he's on the ascent. We have some decent weapons at wide receiver. Not amazing, but Robbie Anderson's pretty good. Crowder's pretty decent in the slot. And Newman, when he actually stays on the field, pretty good. Herndon, when he comes back. Le'Veon Bell, Ty Montgomery, Sam Darnold. Offense, you're going to have to say, all right, it's, it's trending upwards. Defense, some good additions on defense. But when you look at the schedule, Mike, I have to say, I think we can win nine games this year at least. Oh, you know, that, that's what I'm looking at. I'm hoping we can win nine games, maybe go 10 and 6. If Gase doesn't do that, if they only win six or seven games, that's a disappointment to me. It is. And like we said on the show with CJ, anything less than 8 and 8, I would I would be good with letting Gase go, to be honest with you. But my expectations, like you said, 9 and 7, 10 and 6. And I just have a feeling that. We're going, to, we're, going to the, we're going to take the division, man. I just I feel it. And uh, you know what? You know when our test will be? You know when I'll know if this is right? When I come home and I'm in the stands with you and Wook watching the Monday Night Football against the Cleveland Browns over there in MetLife Stadium. And if they can beat that team on Monday night, I'm going to tell you what, man. We're in. Let's go, let's go and get it. Oh, let's, let's go and get, get it. it. You hear this? Yeah. About to put the smack down on Baker Mayfield and the Browns. You heard it here first. Let me see one person with some stupid-ass dog pound mask on walking around MetLife Stadium. I'm sticking the Wookiee on you. Jets, just do me a favor. If oh, if if Beckham goes across the middle, hit him as legally and as hard as possibly as possible without getting any of you guys thrown out or getting a flag thrown. You're trying to see him get hit with the old school Road Warriors finisher. As boom, as doomsday device. As possible, I want you guys to beat the piss no, out you don't, of him. You don't have to say it like that. You, this is a Jets podcast. I don't huh? want you guys to get thrown out or get flags. Like, I want you to <laughs> knock the snot out of yeah. him. Drop F-bombs left and right. I'm excited. Right I could, you know what? This is, this is magic of editing. That's why we keep it PG here, man. For, for, for the AEBG audience, you could be driving a tourist play. You're fine. We got you. We got, we got you guys. Don't worry about it. Um, I'm stoked about it. I am excited about it. Is there anybody, before we get out of here, Mike, before we sign off on the one-year anniversary show, and we, we, we uh, you say adieu to everybody, is there anybody this year so far at camp, or any maybe deep sleepers, Jet fans? Now, I was going to say Blake Cashman. Blake Cashman's on people's radar. I mean, people know about him. No, I know we talked about him first. We were talking about him first for everyone else. No big deal. Yep. But now he's on the radar, Mike. Is there anyone else you think people should keep an eye on? Not, not that it has to be some deep sleeper, but maybe someone the Jets are going to use this year. Not that they have to be a superstar, but some Someone's name just to look out for that's on the Jets roster, defense, offense, you maybe think Jet fans should keep an eye on. Look out for a receiver named Tim White. He's been uh, making some noise out at camp recently. And the other guy I just watch out for is James Burgess Jr. He's a guy who had uh, four, ta- four sacks back in 2017 in limited amount of play. He's a guy that has been making some noise at camp along with uh, Neville Hewitt and uh, Frankie Lulu there and linebacker. So I think our linebacking core is pretty is pretty solid. But, yeah, look out for those two two names there, Tim White and James Burgess Jr. Yeah, I don't know how many people even know about Greg Dortch just yet, Mike. We might think people know about him, but he's got dra- he's undrafted uh, free agent at Wake Forest the Jets took. One of the more heralded undrafted free agents that was out there that we ended up being able to get. He's listed at 5'9", probably more like 5'7". It's one of the reasons he didn't get drafted. But he's absolutely... Absolutely electric. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. electric. You watch him on returns. You watch his highlights from last year when he was at Wake Forest. This guy's tremendous. He's somebody that, say Crowder did go down. The first thing I thought was, wow, maybe this guy's going to slide in that slot. I know he's kind of small. Nowadays, the NFL, the times have changed. You know, you got guys running around that you could be 5'6", 5'7", be a Tariq Cohen and get the job done. He's someone to keep an eye on. And I'm really excited about just the chemistry with the Jets. Everything seems to be really positive. And a lot of times that comes when the quarterback is playing really well. When teams think, when guys think, and you gave me, you sent me a bunch of different uh, links, Mike, and articles about some of the comments 
Jets players have had about Sam and how good he's doing and everything like that. And normally you don't hear players gushing over a quarterback like this because they, they're competitive and they want to get after it and cornerbacks want to stop him and things yeah. like that. So very interesting when you hear, you know, guys talking about him the way they do. Adam Gay, somebody that played really, really close to the vest with the Dolphins when it came to sound bites and a lot of what he would say about players and this and that. Maybe he was almost even standoffish with the media when he was on Miami. And it did go south, and I can get, I get that. But with the New York media so far, he's actually given us a lot yeah. in comparison, I think, Mike. And he's he's been fairly open, and uh, he's also somebody that's really been gushing about Sam. Yeah, and I'll tell you one thing about Gase. Gase has a lot of experience in coaching, 14 years of it, going all the way back to being a graduate student and uh, working with Nick Saban with LSU and then moving up and being a quarterback's coach, a wide receiver's coach, you know, offensive assistant, you know, has a lot of experience and seen a lot of different quarterbacks and a lot of different offenses. So he has that. I like the fact that he's somebody who had to work hard and work up in to get to where he is now and hopefully he has never had a young quarterback like Sam uh, to really run a lot of the experience that he knows that he's seen as a success like a guy like Peyton Manning was able to run when he was offensive coordinator there in Denver so let hey you know, let's see what we got here with Mr. Gase. We got him. We got Greg Williams. We've got the Mountain. We've got Sam Darnold. We got the New York Jets. It's 2019. I'm excited. We're about to play football. Next week, we play against the Jabroni Giants. And it is going to be a great time. And we'll probably come right back to all you guys right after that to go over the game. Yeah, absolute clown shoe jabroni franchise, the New York Giants. What I wanted to mention to you, Mike, is, uh, you know, I, you know what I did? I turned Wookiee's mic off right when I said that guy, so now you can't even speak. I'll turn it back on. Go ahead. You've got something to say, I'll be, I'll, I'll be the one soul sound <laughs> next time we're on saying, hey, the meaningless game between the Jets and the Giants, the Giants can beat them. You know what one no. thing I want to throw at you, Mike? Uh, Mike, Greg Williams, as you mentioned just now, one thing I want to throw at you with him and Gase, and then we'll get out of here. When the Jets had Todd Bowles as their coach, do you remember how... Uh, before they cut, before uh, Muhammad Wilkerson got set on his way, him, Richardson, various players on the defense, they'd be late for practices, Mike. They'd be yep. unprofessional as you could possibly oh. be. And that went yes. on. And you yes. hear, oh, it's, 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 we nipped it in the bud, it's over with. And the next year, what happens? Same thing over and over again, right? I don't see that being accepted on the Adam Gase, Greg Williams ship here. Absolutely not. You know what I Absolutely mean, Mike? And just, just, if, we're gonna just, if we don't even know one single thing that's a difference yet, as all of us from the outside looking in, that's one thing I could say. I don't see guys being able to show up late to Adam Gase and Greg Williams' meetings or whatever the case may be, and it being okay. Yep. I, 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 I totally agree with you. You know, and that's not what, fighting either Gase or Williams. That's, yeah, exactly. that's how it's going to go down. You're yeah. going to show up late, we're going to fight. Yeah, a lot of intensity yeah. right there. And I think there's going to be some accountability too now. So, And that's what you need, man. That's how you get better. When you know you got to be accountable, not just to the man next to you, but to your coach. And I don't know if the Jets were lacking in that, but I mean, the, the dumb penalties we've had, Mike, the last couple of years, since we had Bowles as our coach, just mind-boggling penalties. Oh, and, I, and I'll definitely tell you that we've been lacking in that. Mo Wilkerson would show up late. Nothing would happen. I would say that this is the first time we've had a true disciplinarian at the helm since Bill Parcells. Honestly. Yeah, I mean, that's probably true. Yeah. That's probably true. We had other guys, we had other guys that talked to a game like Rex, man, but he was a player's coach. so he wasn't Exactly. Really, exactly. He was, you know, he was a player's yeah. coach. Not, not that, and it was successful, don't get me wrong. But in the long run, that doesn't always end up working out. Most of the guys that have long-term success in the NFL coaching-wise usually are disciplinarians. You know, unless you're um, Marvin Lewis with the Bengals, which I don't even I couldn't, I don't even know what his coaching style was or how he coached for 16 years. No one knows how that happens. Um, he's an anomaly, guys. But guys, one year. Wow. One year in the books, guys. 
One year of quality, ain't easy being green episodes put out into the universe for all these Jet fans, these psychotic Jet fans floating around. We were talking about today on our football chat with all our buddies, Jets number two in attendance in the NFL last year. Should surprise nobody, because if we had a stadium at 100,000 people, we'd be number one in the NFL above the Cowboys. You just have a bigger stadium than we do, all right? And we put the smack down on you guys, too. Yep. Cowboys. Sorry, Mike. I got fired up there. But one-year anniversary, podcast New York Jets. The best on this network, the second-best network for podcasts ever, and this is the best podcast on that network. So, Well, yeah, I mean, that's fair enough. And, Michael, I want to thank you for riding and dying with me every single week, loving the Jets. Long before we did this podcast, what we do on this podcast is what we did all the time, isn't it? Everything could call each other. You moved down to Texas. My buddy moved away. Didn't stop us. Still talking on the phone for 45 minutes after every yep. game. And we figured, hey, why don't we just put this on the air and do this for everyone, for the world? Because everyone knows when you're passionate about something, people feel it. People tune into it. Jet fans, the most passionate, amazing fan base out there. And I don't care what anybody says. And there's nothing like it in New York. No New York sports team loves their team like Jet fans do. Come at me! Come at me! I'm not going to say anything because it's the AEBG one-year anniversary. And and Giant and fans? You know, and we'll all throw out the Wookiee when he brings up Giant fans is that it's, say you have the level of fans the Jets do, second attendance in the league, and they give you nothing compared to a fan base that's almost as good like the Giants, but they actually give you something. When there's nothing given to you, why are you even rooting for the team? It means you're psychos. That's what I'm talking about, the passionate level. That's what I'm saying. Because yes. the Giants have a good amount of fans yes. that are Giant fans because they're good. No, absolutely. All right, you were born right just like Yankees. Wookie is a legitimate Yankee fan. I busted chops. He watches every single Yankee <laughs> game. But he, you watch every single game. You're a legit fan. I'll give uh-huh. it to you. Anyways, getting back to it. One year, Mike, thank you very much. Co-hosting with me. Rocking out with me. You did a tremendous job, as always. Michael's news and notes. You always get the facts. Always have the latest updates with the Jets. Always know what's going on. Thank you very much. I want to thank everyone that has been on the show throughout the year. If I didn't mention everyone at the beginning, Bob Letterer coming on, author Bob Letterer, Yusuf, who, who Mike got on, Bennett, Dr. CJ Carlos, the Wookiee, of course, Mike Vivolo for getting us on ESNY. Thank you very much. Crystal Lake Studios, this tremendous studio we posted the show in. This facility is amazing. Thank you guys so much. Thank all the listeners and everyone who's in our families, everyone in the world that's listened to us. We appreciate you guys so much. And Jet fans, you're the greatest, you're the greatest fan base in the world, like I said. I don't care what the Wookiee says. And if anybody, Mike does want to get at us, continue listening to us, tweet at us, promote us in any way, shape, or form. Where can they do that? Well, they can find us on the Elite Sports Radio Network, the number two sports network in the entire state of New York. You can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spreaker.com. Please follow us on Facebook at AEBG.JetsRadio, on Twitter at AEBG underscore Podcast, and on Instagram at Jet.AEBG. And I want to say a special thank you to Keith Farrell, for being someone who has piloted the ship throughout the entire year and brought us to the success that we're at and experiencing now. And I couldn't be more proud and more thankful to have you as a partner through all of this. So we just want to thank you on this one-year anniversary. And uh, and so also a special shout-out to Wookie for, for being there for us and bringing good content and good entertainment. It's been a gr- We've been a great team and enjoying it and looking forward to the next year. Yeah, look, no one, no one ever in the history of podcasts has engineered a show and produced it like you do. Hey, actually, Our show comes out every week 100% amazing, and it's all because of you. It, no, that's uh, that's absolutely bogus. <laughs> uh, I appreciate you guys having me on. It's been fun, uh, even though I'm the underdog every week, but I, I understand it. It's, it's, it's really about football, and it's a great opportunity to talk to other football fans, exactly. whether Thanks, they're man. a Jet fan or, uh, or a Giant fan, so... Uh, it's good to it's good to meet up every week with you guys and do it. And you heard the dudes on behalf of my colleague and co-host Michael Lagaris and the big stinking Wookie behind the glass. My name is Keith Farrell. 
Thank you, everyone, for joining us the past year. We're out. Are you ready? The New York Jets will beat anybody in the world, and I think we're going to win next Sunday. The New York Jets. I think Jeff fans. Jeff fans. Jeff fans. Very passionate. Very passionate. Thank you, all you fans. They got their guy. Darnold falling to the Jets. Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold. That's such an upside. I think Jeff fans. Very passionate. Brady sucks. Don't be the sucks. I want a number leader.